Blog Talk Radio. Hooray! It's Freedom Fridays, and this is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, here on Blog Talk Radio on the K Factor, where K equals kindness, and the factors are all the things that lead to it. And I love Fridays because I get to be here with my co host, my good friend, my business partner, Dr. Charlie Cartwright. Yay! Awesome. <laughs> You know what? Isn't it awesome? It really is. It's such a good word because awesome really means exactly that. You know, like you're going, ah, man, this is so cool. This is so great. We had wanted to do stuff together for years since we first met and it took insulation quarantine time. Yeah. You know, to to make it all happen. And, you know, that doesn't even have anything to do with living in two different parts of the country. Exactly. And that's the beauty of technology now that we can, you know, have this availability. It's like we're sitting across from each other in a, in a nice office. So it's awesome. Indeed we are. I thought we were. <laughs> you know, it's funny. As we've been adjusting things here this morning, I swear, Charlie, this is like an omen from the heavens. It was really dark. I was saying, my God, it's like we're really dark in here. And we go on the air, and all of a sudden it lightens up. (laughs) The illumination happens. (laughs) For a couple of minutes, there was through your blinds behind you there with that beautiful sunlight streaming in. It was coming in, and it looked like you had a halo on. I'm thinking, yay, go God. (laughs) Amazing. I actually had a presentation once. I was in Nebraska, and the last slide is the sun bursting out of the clouds. Oh, yeah. And it was a rainy morning. It had been raining all morning. And so they had their blinds open, but it had been raining. And when I hit that last slide, literally the whole room lit up because the sun peeked out from behind the clouds at that moment. And so afterward, I was like, are there any questions? And people were like, "Uh, who are you connected to? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then about five minutes later, back to wow. the So it was a really cool, I took it as a positive sign. It is. It is a very positive sign. So I'll tell you what, this is our second episode. Why don't you take it away, Dr. Charlie Cartwright, and tell people, what is Freedom Fridays about anyway? So Freedom Fridays is about just expanding your mind and freeing your mind of any clutter that's you know, dragging you down or slowing you down. And, and it really is one of those things that can happen to the best of us. Mm. However, when we can talk about it and develop some strategies around that, then that freedom extends beyond Friday, to Saturday to Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to oh, Monday yeah. to Thursday, right? Absolutely. So uh, every day is what we decide it can be. I remember one time I was in, uh, I was leaving Minneapolis, Minnesota. And just outside, I was heading down I-35 South. Just outside of the city there, there's a kind of a rest area, and there's a little McDonald's over there. So I was like, you know, I'm going to hop in over here and grab a quick breakfast, use the restroom. And I was standing in line beside this gentleman. And I was like, he's like, oh, hello. And I was like, hello. I was like, thank God it's Friday, right? (laughs) And he smiled. He said, yeah. He said, but, you know, every day could be Friday if you want it to be. Oh. You know, it's really funny. It's like um, people use the word 
mindset so much now, right? You hear it everywhere. But for me, it's about your attitude, your perceptions, your perceptions, whatever it is that you, you're, the story that you're making up in your head, the thought patterns that you have, that story that you've written, we call it now the narrative, the, um, the things that you say, that is your story. And, and it filters and makes everything your reality. And that's your, that's your attitude. Then people say, well, it's the truth. Well, it, no, it's your truth. Right. Well, no, wait. I mean, come on. No, really and truly. And I know to get people to shift their perspective, to get them to, sh- to change their attitude, marvelous things like that last slide of your presentation need to happen. Without a doubt, Dr. Nevin, it's interesting that that's something that I actually made a little, little recording about this week. And because what happens when you're, your narrative, you, you're, that's your character, right? That's your, what your life's built on. So now you're going to feed in, you know, subconscious, you're going to feed into that narrative because it's a right. story. So, oh, you know what? And the car didn't start. And the cat, and there's a tire low I got. And, you know, there, there's potholes and yeah. traffic is bad. And, 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 it's right? so awful. Because you're playing in yep. that narrative. Or on the opposite side is, hey, <laughs> the car wouldn't start the battery is dead. Wow, it's in my driveway. I'm glad it went dead in my driveway right. instead of when I was out someplace. It would be a lot harder to deal with, you know. So I'm going to jump it here, then I'm going to take it over to the auto repair place. They're going to pop a new battery in there. Right. Or traffic slowing down. <laughs>
and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I, it, and I always wondered about it. It's like, is this really safe? You know? Am I going to be tinting my skin? You know? I mean, come on here. Well, you know, going back to this thing about perspective. So, over the years, the different events that we've both done, one of my one of my favorite uh, setups was it would be me, uh, Dr. Mark Levy, who's a, a a nice Jewish internal medicine physician, and Lama Lab Sang, a real true born and raised in Tibet, and at the age of either six or twelve was chosen and was recruited into the monastery and became a high priest, the high priest of the monastery in the Tibetan mountains. And what was so fascinating about doing these events together. Oh, now this is the regular. Oh my goodness. Remember we had this last time we talked about it. There you go. They're playing music for us. That is so absolutely lovely. Oh my goodness. Is it bothersome? Can you hear okay when he goes by? Oh, yes. Okay. It's a it's a new brand of birds. <laughs> anyway, the joke the the joke was that you know here's this nice three people who are from such diverse backgrounds, right? And we get this audience. Then we've got you know like thirty thirty some odd people in there because we wanted it small because it was going to be about building your inner strength and. We wanted people to have room to spread out and, and do some of the blueprinting that that, that uh, program has and, and do some yoga because we have a, a you know, a, a, a llama there, a Tibetan monk there. And um, so we're, we're in the event. And, and to start it out, I said, so, um, you know, I've been listening to you all talking and visiting. That's, that's great. And so tell me, you know, how's life going? And it was just like you were saying a few minutes ago. Oh, my dishwasher was broken this morning. The cat, you know, tipped over the litter box. My my husband was a knucklehead. The kids were screaming, you know. And I couldn't find the shirt that I wanted to wear. I mean, it was just it was a, it was just such a nightmare. And 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 it's this 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 right. And I said, Oh my goodness, now that is really something, you know. God love you for getting here. I mean, how did you get through those tragedies to get here? (laughs) And they're kind of looking at me, and I said, Lama, would you say a few words about about how your life has gone? And and can you maybe talk a little bit about how did you get here? And he says to me, you know, uh, Tibetans talking that, they do that frog voice, you know? I am Rama. And he would call me on the phone. I wouldn't know who it was. I'd hang up on him. It's like, he'd call me, um, what did he call me? It wasn't Deb. It was like Rev or something. Uh, you know, because he, he, and I, who is this? Get off my phone. And and so he's he's sitting there and and he does like, like the Dalai Lama does, who, by the grace of God, I got to meet was which was amazing yeah, through him. Awesome. Yeah, he grew up with them. So I mean, wow. this is this man is a truly it's sacred. Oh, you know, just awesome. Well, I, I will introduce you to Lama. I mean, he is amazing. And so um, he's sitting, you know, uh, yogi style on the on the chair that we have for him, and 
and he tells the story of of growing up, you know, being with his with his family of origins, and then growing up in the in the monastery and learning everything, and then um, he was arrested by the Chinese army. And you know, this is this is not a private story. I mean, this is international news, and it's part of what it is that's happening with the 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 closing down of Tibet. There will be no more Dalai Lamas, and um, so he's taken and he and he's held in prison. And he's there for months. And finally, through a long story that he goes through in excruciating detail, he and two other prisoners escape and in the night. And it is cold. It, it's wintertime in the Himalayas. I mean, it is freezing cold. And they, between the three of them, have two pairs of sandals. They have no coats. They have no money. They have nothing, no water, no, no, no cell phone, not anything. Not that a cell phone would even work out there. But the point is he talks about, you know, about this. And I'm saying to him, Lama, how did you, I mean, where did you go? How did you know where to go? And then, you know, he takes his fist and he, and he, and he, and he pounds on his chest and he talks about, this is how I know where to go. This is how I know. And then you do yoga to not freeze to death, and you take the mind and control with the mind the temperature of your body. And he would help his two associates who were with him because he didn't want them to freeze to death. They were in this thing together. And they would take pine needles. They would take snow, put it in the cup of their hands, drop pine needles into it off of trees to make a broth. Find berries in the winter and know what to eat, how to eat, how to control the mind so it didn't matter what it was. People would say, well, how do you know it wasn't poisonous? Because it didn't exist for them. I mean, it's just, it's a very different perspective, different reality. And and they got to India. It took them three months to walk from Tibet to India. Wow. I mean, this is an amazing, amazing story. Maybe it took 10 months. I don't know. You know, I haven't heard the story for a long time, but the point is people hear that story and they're sitting there with their, with their mouths agape. And I say, so friends, you want to tell me again about how your day started? And can I, can I not to insult you at all? Can I get you to contrast that with what it could have been? Because see, we're all living in the comfort and we're so insulted when that comfort is interrupted at all. And yet this man's here in a, in a beautiful spirit to share with us. He used that journey to teach his two fellow associates how to survive. He got to enrich his skills. I mean, the way that he tells the story, you know, there wasn't one person in the room who wasn't crying. To do that is so exaggerated, but it really set that event in motion because we don't <clears throat> we don't think like that. No. Okay. Like the and everything. Oh yeah. Chicago. And I had one of 
one of the I was talking about Mount Everest with this climb, <laughs> you know, accomplishing the impossible and all these things. One of my favorite quotes is Sir Edmund Hillary was the first person. Him and his Sherpa, uh, yeah, visiting Norway, were the first to to reach the summit. Yep. Hundreds of years people have been trying. Oh, right. Amazing. First, and this quote I remember him saying that the impossible can always be broken down into possibilities. Ooh. That's huge, right? Oh, my gosh. Huge. Say it again. Say it again. So the impossible can always be broken down into possibilities. Wow. And if you put enough possibilities into the possibilities, Wow. So we have to get this big crescendo coming up. Boom. I put this picture up with Mount Everest that I had people, and everybody claps and it's great. So we took a break after that. So one of the gentlemen kind of hung back and said, hey, Dr. Charlie, dress this person. Sure, he said, hey, I don't mean to insult you or anything. He said, but I'm from Tibet, and that was not Mount Everest. <laughs> wanted to get a Sherpa and do that? I have until I read about it. And after I read about it, um, and this is my personal opinion. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody that wants that. Now it's become so commercialized and so many Sherpas have died because of it's so dangerous and people are taking things up there. Yes. That they shouldn't be and they're carrying all these loads. And, and, you know, there is, I don't care how skilled you are, there's a huge element of chance involved in it where, you know, if this ice shifts at a certain time, it's over. You know, everybody on the mountain at that time is going to die. And the thing about it is they have this valley and there are all these, it's colorful, it's very colorful. Well, it's all these different jackets and coats and hats and gloves and boots of all these people down there. Because we down that mountain, that's where you're, you're, they can't bring you back. So, you're literally walking past people that are frozen to death and all these things. So I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. But I did at one time want to to reach that summit, but uh, I don't want to put anyone else at risk. And then, uh, yeah, so so I've taken it down. But that's yeah. something that I had in my mind. Do you know what? Me too. There have been times in my life when I thought that this would be awesome. And, and just a couple years ago, a friend of mine, I uh, really dedicated himself for years to working out and getting ready for it, a physician, and he hired a Sherpa and went with a small group. And, and it was very expensive. You know, it's like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a person. And this guy, this pack, not, not, a, not just a person, but this pack is going to take you. And, you know, some people are saying, oh, that's, you know, that's cheating. That's, 
that's not really doing it. And I said, you know, um, hang on a second here. They can't climb it for you. You know, right. they can't breathe for you. And so it, he, he said the same thing. You know, the what used to be colorful there were the triangular Tibetan flags that everybody would string. Not everybody, that the Tibetans would string. But now it's littered. I mean, they've littered the place and, you know, oh, I'm bringing my stuff. I'm leaving my mark. Okay, well, you and maybe you and your dead body. And so it really is, it, it, it is really sad the way that something so sacred has been corrupted like that. You know, the other, the other part of that is um, the, the art of what it takes to climb a mountain. Talk about Freedom Fridays. To be able to get to freedom by focusing your mind so tightly and intensely that nothing can get in your way, nothing can interrupt it, is a phenomenon in and of itself. Now, there was a movie that I saw just last year, and it's called The Void. Um, and I think it's called The Void. And it, and it, is, about, it is a mountain climbing movie. And it is about these two guys who are mountain climbers, and the sister of one is just incensed because she's always worried about her brother, always. And when, when you're an avid mountain climber, it's like you know nothing else. you got to go climb. And, and, and the, the rock walls that we've now got in gymnasiums and the facilities that are set up for that, those have been such a huge attraction. And then people go to the closest location that they can, right, to go out there and climb these walls of rock. But in this movie, which really epitomizes what what happened once upon a time at Mount Everest, very primitive climb. I mean, it was these two guys. They set up a camp with one person guarding the camp so that they would have a place to return to, and they could set their sights on it for when they were coming back. But, I mean, it was you take your hand and you take your fingers to try to find that place where you can tuck in and then take your foot and tuck your toes in to some little tiny opening crevasse. And, I mean, I was amazed. And the falls that they do, it was just amazing. I'll, I'll, find, I'll find a link to that movie and, and put it on to our post when we post this, because I think that us talking about this right now, this whole topic of Freedom Fridays and bringing it into center with mindset and the things that we can do with our body, because if we were to take our mind, it's phenomenal. So true. So true. And a mountain climber better break all the impossibility into little possibilities. Right. And that's why breaking things down to bite-sized, bite-sized portions that you can, that you can accomplish. And so no matter how complex you know, challenges, yeah. when we break, break it down and it's a small pieces, then it becomes simple. But you have to break it down. Right. Now, I remember when I started graduate school, I had my, I had my Bachelor of Science, and I was walking into an MS-PhD program, seven years straight, no breaks, year round, you know, the only work you're going to do is internships and ongoing training so that you are really getting a rich experience for close to a decade. And people would say to me, 
how in the world can you do that? And I said, don't talk about it. I can't look at the enormity of this. I mean, I don't see enormity. I see that I'm going to be sitting at seminar tables, spending time in libraries, spending time getting my head into material and studying and learning. If I would have, for one moment, allowed myself, not the freedom, but the trap of looking at it, we wouldn't be sitting here today on Freedom Friday. It's true. It's true. I remember getting my doctorate degree after I concluded that. You know, it felt so great. But I have to admit... Sure, but if I'd have had any idea, <laughs> even an inkling of how hard that was going to be, I would have, I would have tried it. And so, to your point, it was just that one day at a time, plug, 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 and it was just the routine. Here's what I need to do today. Here's what I need to accomplish today, and making sure I had everything done for today, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. And before you knew it, there you were. <laughs> So when you look at the big picture of our lives, there, there is a lot of complexity when you look at it in the big picture. But when you look at it in, in pieces, when you put it in those chunks, it's very, very achievable, very attainable. So when I, when I am here in my office and I am, and I got my two monitors, I got my laptop, I got an iPad, I got my notes, and I am, and I am in production mode. I am trying to figure out what I'm going to do today. And I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> I have so much to do today. How, what should I start with first? And then I start to get this anxiety. And I can feel it in my gut. And, and then my mind starts to get uh, like a fog, you know. And, and I'm thinking, I need to get out of here. You know, and I want to like get up and run out of the room. And I think, no, I need to get out of my head. <clears throat> and the clouds that I'm putting in there and get back into clarity. And then I have to say, okay, what's, what's just one thing I'm going to start with? What's one thing I can accomplish? And that's why doing these shows every day is so healthy because it's a, it's a routine in my schedule. It's a, it's an interaction with my co-host and it's, and it's a, it's a messaging. It's always good messaging, right? We're here. Our mission here is to help people with their inner freedoms. Oh, my God, that'd be a great book. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. I love that, I love that title. I'm going to write that down while we're sitting here, your inner freedom. Do you ever experience overwhelm? That's a great question. I think I don't feel overwhelmed. Is that's not the, the word I would use? I think for me, I experience wow. There's so many things that I want to accomplish, and and I can get my mind can really start spinning on all the things I want to accomplish. This is what happens to me. When I walk in Barnes and Noble, for instance, I walk in there and I go, I want to read all of them. <laughs> I want to read all of them. And it frustrates yeah. me that I can't get to all of them. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, what do I need right now? Yeah. And this is what this is what's on my mind or this has come up. 
in my week or this a reoccurring thing this last month. I need to learn about this. Yeah. Or I have a deeper dive into this. So I look at it that way. What do I need right now? What do I need to do right now? But I do at times look at the, the big picture and want to I want to accomplish it all today. Right. That's not how things work. So then when I get into it, I have to allow myself some time to relax and uh, right. not work and, and, and do some fun things. So, because I, I love what I do, so it's hard to, to turn it off at times because I don't go wake up and oh, I got all this work to do today. I don't, I don't look at it that way. I right. wake up and go, man, I've got so many things to accomplish today. It's due and, and get me closer to my next goal and my next goal. So that's that's how I process it. I love it. That's a really good thing for people to sit and take notes on. I think one of the things that you and I would benefit from doing for people is a workshop, a, a, a webinar on exactly that, because people will hear that and think, oh, good idea. How do I do that? How can I learn that trick? How can I learn that particular skill? I, I find that when I'm working with people who are my clients, you know, people come to me because they're in some sort of trouble. They're, they're, they're rarely on an, ex, an, on an exploration just for betterment, which I'd like to work with people who are just on an exploration for betterment, but it's like nobody's there, especially in 2020. You know, it's like crisis intervention. I mean, I could have been an ER physician like that, you know. Um, and so I'm used to crisis intervention, but to teach people, especially now, Charlie, in the midst of, excuse me, Dr. Charlie, <laughs> the, the skill set for exactly what you said, how you wake up in the morning and what your first thoughts are, it, it gets into that much detail. And, and here's the secret. I've actually been interviewing people to, that I, who, who I admire saying, tell me what you do when you first open up your eyes. Because I think that's how far back in the day we need to go for people right now. Because I was getting up and turning on the news. Oh, please. I used to wake up and pray. I had to get, I had to get jolted out of the bed with the news to remember Oy vey, and I'm running down the hallway making a sign of the cross, returning to my prayers, as opposed to just starting that way. Yeah, the, I think the the way we begin, and, and I think there's a mindfulness to the way you begin your day mm. that people don't take into consideration. They start, get on their phone immediately, check in their email, or check in the weather, or checking the news. Right. That, first thing right. right instead of saying okay being grateful for the uh, for another day of life and right. feeling great about it and hey here are all the things I'm going to accomplish today but first I'm going to take care of myself here in the next hour whatever your, your morning routine is, is right as far as your prep and it's interesting too because I talked to a friend about this one time and she was telling me this she said during your day things happen some things are unexpected, so your schedule can get altered. But she says what you have total control of is your morning routine and your eat, re, your evening routine before you go to bed. Oh, yeah. And so those two, so you start the day right and end the day right. And 
when you start doing that, what happens is what happens in between gets a lot better. Oh gosh, that's brilliant. That that really is true. I like to get up. Ideally, I like to awaken at about 4 a.m. and take my time just stretching and praying while I'm still in repose. And at about 4.30, climb out of bed and start rehydrating. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm engaged in, in not just prayerfulness but meditative mode. And I put on a pot of coffee or a pot of tea and then either exercise here to different things that I've got set up on my computer that I can watch or go for a walk or go for a swim or go for a bicycle ride because it gets my, my mind. I, I then am released, you know, and, and looking outside of myself out into the water, the neighborhood, the trees, you know, as you're pedaling or walking. And it's, you're so right about that. Nobody can interrupt. I mean, who's going to call you at like 4.45 a.m.? Well, a couple so people, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so true. And it, it just sets such a great tone. And that routine, you're actually getting things accomplished there. So so when you start your day, you feel like, hey, I've already I've already accomplished a lot of things before I even sat down to go to work. Right. And and then that that's that positive momentum that, that kind of perpetuates throughout your day. Yeah. And then to end on a high note too, which is that's just awesome to end on a high note where I've read something that's really positive that's gonna help me tomorrow. Right. And I've got my I've documented everything I need to document my calendar. I know what's going to happen tomorrow, what I have on the calendar. So now I, uh, I have this positive drift. I call it positive drift. I'm sure there's a lot of names for it. But as I drift off to sleep, I'm thinking about positive things. It could be a positive relationship. could be a future vacation. could be a future uh, goal that I, that I see. Yeah. And I'm seeing that as I drift off to sleep. I never really gave much thought to what I was thinking about before I went to sleep. Yeah. And someone was talking, I listened to a, uh, maybe like a YouTube, and someone was talking about it. And I was like, hmm, what do I think about before I go? And then I realized <laughs> that I was thinking about all the people that made me mad. And, <laughs> that was my routine. Oh, my. Wow. School, high school, wherever, but I'm talking about it. I must have done that for decades. Yeah. And uh, and, and just processing all this negativity. Charlie. And, uh, so once I switched that up. What a game changer. Yeah, it was a big game changer. And it was one of those habits that this... I had that I really, wasn't, I really wasn't conscious about. I wasn't even mindful at all. And so once I became mindful about my thought processes as I drifted off to sleep is really big. And that's important from a, you know, position of the subconscious mind because when we're in that that pre-sleep mode, we're in that very relaxed state, we're very, our, our subconscious mind is very su- suggestible. Mm-hmm. And the same thing when we're waking, just waking up in that mm-hmm. drowsy state, that drowsy state, you can really get things uh, planted in your subconscious mind. So it's really important to plant very positive things in there because those things that you plant are going to take root and start to impact you in your, your waking world. You know what? 
we could actually use this platform and create two segments, one that is a morning segment and one that is an evening segment, and really outline it so that we are taking people into the brainwave states that they need to be in in order to do both the things that you've talked about. And I absolutely love that. Would you be interested in having us do that? I would. Oh, yeah. It's it's so powerful and beneficial and it's a life changer for me. And there's been several things I've done over time. And the the culmination of all of it is it really starts to show up in how you behave and how you deal with situations and other people. And it's, it's, it's such a positive thing to do and go through. And that transformation is real. You know, um, there, there is so much that we can learn that is ancient wisdom. So there's an, there's an author, Michael Gelb, G-E-L-B. Michael Gelb fell madly in love with P, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And I, and I talk about this a whole lot in, in Build the Strength Within. And Leonardo da Vinci always carried with him, you know, hundreds of years ago, a journal, a paper journal, and charcoal sticks and whatever it was that he could write with. And you know how during the course of the day we have these, oh, super great ideas, the book. I have this, it's a journal. Oh, that's I awesome. It with me and it's next to my bed. Oh, you know, you an idea. Oh, Charlie. We're in the middle of the night. You got to write it down because you wait uh, till the morning. Yes, the exactly. <laughs> they evaporate. You're my hero. I can't believe that you're the only other person other than me that I know that does that. Isn't that great? Exactly. It's it's awesome. I have so many super great ideas in here, and it's all in one 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 space. And you know the creator of Seinfeld does this. Larry David <laughs> really? has this journal. Matter of fact, uh, one of his episodes on Curb Your Enthusiasm, he loses his journal. And all <laughs> about him. You know, he had a reward written down in there. This guy holds it for ransom. Oh no! Oh, that is hilarious. Yeah. Guy wouldn't give him give it back to him. He arranged <laughs> for him to meet one of the characters from the cast of. Seinfeld, really? this whole big ordeal, but, uh, you know, I have one journal where he just writes everything, and then when I fill the journal up, I keep it oh, yeah. you know, for, for posterity, so it'll be interesting, uh, but it's, it's it's such a great, it's just a great habit to develop. Yeah, it really is. The um, The beauty in that is that it really, you know, it, I think I think sometimes uh, when people are pitching events, they almost alienate the audience because they talk in ways that are really unfamiliar. Like, you know, to say we're gonna we're gonna have a workshop, and we're gonna talk about reflective practices. Oh, for God's sakes, here we go again. You know, as opposed to saying, how about if we talk about what do you think about when you're getting up in the morning, and what are you doing in the drift as you're going to sleep? My parents would t- my parents actually taught me that. We're going back a ways here, you know, and. My my mommy and daddy at nighttime, you know, I'd I'd, I'd be, uh, you know, either help to get in my jammies or I knew how to get in my pajamas myself and I could go upstairs, go in my bedroom, go in my closet, put on my jammies, take my clothing, put them out appropriately to air out, and then you know, put in the laundry the next day or whatever, put on my jammies, my slippers, and my robe, 
come back to the living room where the family is and spend a little bit of time, however much that time was. And then, um, boy, I'm really, I got to tell you, I got all the devices turned off here and they're sneaking up on us with these sounds in the background. It's like, what are you doing here? Um, and so, and then I would, you know, kiss mom goodnight, kiss dad goodnight, and, what, and sister and brother were there. And then one one of them, it, either, either my mom or my dad would escort me up to bed, and and I would say my prayers, and um, they would tell me to have sweet dreams, but they would talk about what sweet dreams would be. And they would talk to me about being able to get a good night of rest and there'd be angels there to protect me and, you know, the house is safe and mommy and daddy are here and my sister and brother are here. And then they would tell me to think about what a lovely day I had. And then we'd go over a few things. They'd tell me, you know, and then on Saturday we're going to have a picnic and, or whatever it was, it was the advance of it or in the morning you get to do this. And it was beautiful. And in the morning, and, and this was so significant as well. So I didn't have nightmares and night tears the way that I've heard some people talk about as children. In the morning, my mother and father, one of the two of them would come in to awaken me. When my mother came in, this was just exquisite. And I didn't know until after she passed away that there were people who had come and stayed at our house and they got this treatment too. And they all adored it. My mother would come in very light footed and she would take her hand, the palm of her hand and her fingers and put it on your cheek. And then with the back of her hand, kind of stroke your cheek a little bit and then your forehead. And it was so gentle. It was like angel feathers. Mm -hmm. And then in this lovely voice of hers, she'd say, good morning. And then she would walk away from the bed so you didn't wake up with somebody staring at you. And all of the windows had these lovely cloth shades on them, the old-fashioned kind with a beautiful little rope hanging down and a little circle that had been embroidered at the end of it. And she'd gently pull it up and pull the curtains back and you'd see the trees and the sunshine and crack a window and hear birds and all that. And she'd say, it's time to rise and shine and have a wonderful day. Are you ready to be awake? Yeah, this is great. Oh, that's amazing. All right, now hang on a second. Then it was my dad. <laughs> he was a comedian, and he had a whole other style. And he'd come in the room, you could feel the energy. As soon as he crossed the threshold, he'd say, get up, get up. It's time to get up. What are you doing? Hey, Deb, come on, little Debbie, get up. And I'd say, Dad, I am up. And he'd say, no, you're not. You're laying down. So I'd sit up in the bed and I'd say, I'm up, okay? And he'd say, nope. And and, he, and I'd say, I am. And and I would, you know, like be looking forward and sort of slumped over because I was still, you know, drowsy. And and I I would, he, he would be, you know, sort of bantering with me. And he'd go behind me without me seeing him and whip the pillows out. And then I'd, I'd lay back on the bed and I'd go, what did you do? And he'd say, I told you you were going to lay back down. Get up. <laughs> then he'd go over to the to the to the, the shade and he'd flip it up and it'd spin, you know, and he'd say, Yep, yet? No, go away, daddy, go away. Now I was a daddy's girl, so you know, everything with him was glory and fun and funny, but in the morning it was like, Why do you do that? But you woke up laughing and and your blood flowing, your heart beating and energized. 
And then we began a, a beautiful morning practice of, right, the first half hour was your self-care. I see kids these days. I'm so worried about the parents and the children. Hurry up. We're late. Get up. We got to get in the car. We got to catch the bus. Well, wait a second. Don't. You're starting out all stressed out. Get up and clean and void and move and stretch and contemplate your outfit or, you know, whatever, but go for a walk. I mean, we never got up and went flying out of the house. It's true. We had breakfast together. We had breakfast together every morning as a family. That's awesome. It was awesome. Uh, and it shows, you know, obviously now you've developed over over the years with that foundation starting out. It's, it's pretty magnificent, actually. But you know what? You and I grew up very differently, and we we have this mutual <clears throat> admiration for one another and our accomplishments and our and our characters and our personality and our sense of humor and our our obvious ability to dialogue endlessly, and and look at how I want people to watch us and listen to us and not have any envy, but say. If they can do it, I can do it. And 100%. everybody can be accomplished and magnificent and create the life they want. It's true. And I think it's so interesting, this, this quote. And it's about being unique, right? Mm. And if we live into who we are, then we're going to be unique. Just like everybody else. Right? <laughs> everybody's unique. But what happens is it's so easy to follow the herd and kind of get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it is. And, and it's easy to lose yourself, your unique traits, your unique ability, your unique voice. It's so easy to get lost in the, in the herd. And the ultimate fulfillment is being who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And and whether that's a caregiver, caretaker, whatever it is, that's your thing. I mean, it's it's so interesting to me to see someone that their their love is manicuring a lawn. Yeah. And you walk past all the <laughs> It's a lawn. It's breathtaking. You, you just want to stop and stare because mm-hmm. everything is so well placed and so well cared for. And the colors and the diversity and plant texture and height. And you're just like, wow, that's not random. That's that, right. That's a gift that that human being has and they're sharing it with the world. So we all have some type of gift, but it's just being open to that and being willing to share it. Cause then there's other people that walk past that lawn and don't give it, don't give it another uh, look, but you, uh, whenever you embrace your, your your unique characteristics and abilities, then you're going to have that magnetic pool, and certain people are going to be drawn to you, and, and that's your tribe, and that's that's a great thing. Amazing, yes. You know, when we talk about drawn to. <clears throat> And having people drawn to us. Think about how many people are lonely and wondering, well, how do I do that? Is it, you know, what's the magic formula for that? And, you know, on social media, people can get really caught up in that. Oh, you've got 
such a following and you know everybody wants to hear what you have to say how did what's the magic how did you do that there is no magic marketers are some of it's not a slam against marketers but marketers are convincing people that it's how often you you're posting and how often you're messaging but the real truth is it's the vibe that you have it's the energy that you bring to the world that's going to attract people or or nothing. <clears throat> now, if you don't post at all, you'll never get a following because you you know no one there's nothing there to see. But the feeling of goodness that we have inside of us, you know, it's just like when you and I met and Gary had introduced us to one another at Starbucks that morning. You know, we we walked in and I think you were already there. I walked in. You guys had already had your time together and great energy and great conversation. I walk into something that's already got good energy. I walk in and I've got a good energy because I'm excited. I'm out. It's the morning. It was when you went out to meet people, <laughs> you know, and you got to walk up, shake their hand, give them a hug, sit down, you know, one foot apart and, and engage. And, and now in, in, and, that, and that's wonderful, right? Because what people describe it as charisma. Well, charisma is just being warm and friendly and open and having it be genuine because you've cleaned up your inner stuff. <clears throat> so there's no junk coming through like, you know, you're somehow some sort of culprit or, right? And now I think I think with, actually with everything there's a blessing. I think with, with the... Uh, the incubation and the quarantine, well, I don't want it mandated because, you know, none of us want anybody telling us what to do or what we have to do. <clears throat> There's an invitation here for us to make really cozy use of the Internet and the cameras and our voices and the platforms that we're on, which is exactly why I love this show. We have an opportunity to show people, look how comfortable this is, Right. Yeah, 100%, 100%. You know, and we're getting to spend the time together, and how how awesome is that? And, and what can blossom out of this? I'm envisioning us sitting here with, you know, all the other squares filled, like, you know, Hollywood squares on TV once a million years ago, and having people going, yeah, right on. I feel good. I feel better. So true. Who knew that Hollywood Squares would be this? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That was the weirdest show because they'd really like lean out and try to look at one another, you know? Yeah. It was good. You know what? It'd be fun to have that set. Yeah. It just, it's become a precursor to what we're doing right now. It's really interesting to me. I'd like to talk to the people who invented Zoom oh, and yeah. see if they watched Hollywood Squares and if that yeah. invited the the gallery view. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. So tell me here on Freedom Fridays, what happened with you during the week that made you think about Freedom Fridays and what it means and what we want to accomplish for ourselves today as well as for the audience. Yeah, I think every week has its challenges and things to overcome, 
right? Yeah. And things to deal with and and the ups and downs and all of that. And so this week was, was, was like many other weeks where I had, you know, ups and downs, peaks and valleys. <clears throat> and at the end of it, that I'm finishing the week on a very strong note and a very strong trajectory and looking forward to next week with with gratitude and with anticipation of good things. That's that's for me Freedom Fridays that hey, all those challenges have been addressed and and moving forward into into a better reality and, and every day I'm moving forward into a better reality. I love that's that. For, that's freedom for me. Yeah. You know, I love that. That's absolutely spectacular. So for me, um, as I thought through every day and again, like you, you know, the challenges, the wins, the, am I going to win? <laughs> and then realizing the win is in my head. It's all yeah. about my perspective, trying to take care of these things on a list and, you know, the problems that pop up and, and seeing them as opportunities, opportunities to learn what not to do again, opportunities to feel the rewards of my initiatives, um, the, the freedom <clears throat> on Friday of, of thinking about what it is that I've been able to accomplish that buys me some more open time to be able to do a walk, a nap, an early dinner, you know, a couple of movies. I'll tell you, after last Friday, our Freedom Friday, I took Saturday and Sunday, and it was a really unusual weekend for me. I was so laid back. I was in such repose. The The, the work week was really busy. And it really, it things started clicking inside of me in terms of our Freedom Friday routine and show. And I just, I vegged out and laid around and took naps and read things that I wanted to catch up on. And then I was really grateful for Monday. Perfect. Yeah, it is perfect. Can you believe we've been talking for an hour? It flies by. It does. It really does. It does. So... Friends, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. You know, off of Blog Talk Radio, we upload automatically from Blog Talk Radio into iTunes. And so you can look at Blog Talk Radio, The K Factor, and you can you can uh, enter in Dr. Deb Carlin. You can enter in Dr. Charlie Cartwright. You can enter in Freedom Fridays. You're going to find us. And also, this show was blasted out before we went on the air onto Facebook, onto Twitter, and onto Tumblr. And the that's the audio part of it. And then the video part of it is a Zoom call that gets uploaded directly uh, by us into YouTube, to a YouTube channel. And all you got to do is YouTube Dr. Deb Carlin and then all you have to do is go to Dr. Charlie Cartwright and Dr. Deb Carlin on all of our social media channels, and boom, we're there. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. Charlie, thank you so much for doing this with me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're a blessing. So are you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye-bye.
And that's it for Blog Talk Radio.